Reading from John chapter 10, verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and when he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out, when he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of the strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is not a hired, he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming, leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, He has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, These are not the words of one who is impressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Well, the question we are considering this lunchtime is this. Why might it seem that Jesus doesn't care? Well, have you ever wondered whether he really has your best interests at heart? I think often we know that we, he is supposed to care, but we don't feel it. And often we can feel this way because we know that being a Christian is supposed to be great. There's forgiveness, relationship with God. But often the reality, life is much harder. It is a real struggle to stay a Christian. Marriage life gets harder. Sacrificial headship and willing submission that often can grate against our natural instincts. Singlehood is harder. I mean, new principles to live by. Again, that grates against our natural instincts. And not to mention working life also gets harder. It's a real challenge as a Christian to live distinctively. Not joining in on certain conversations while comes at a social cost. Not channeling all your efforts into your year-end bonus, but it comes at a financial cost. 
and mentioning the name Jesus, well, that earns you. Oh, you are one of those kind of looks. You see, life it doesn't get better; it gets worse. So the question is: Does he care? Does Jesus have my best interests at heart? Well, perhaps you might be someone who wouldn't call yourself a follower of Jesus, and you're looking into some of the claims that he has made. And just this past week, I had two conversations with two people who were in the same position. They were exploring the claims of Jesus, and both of them said the exact same thing. They said they found the true claims of Jesus very compelling, and in fact, what they've been hearing has been very logical. But both said this. I need a personal encounter with Jesus, then I can believe. I need a personal encounter. And maybe that's you.、Uh, you're thinking if Jesus really cared, if he was really there, I would have a personal encounter with him, so that I can believe in him. So, does he really care? Well, last week. In John chapter nine, we met a blind man from birth gaining his sight. But despite that miraculous experience, if you were here with us, you might have been wondering: Did he really have the blind man's interests, the best interests at heart? Because we would expect the blind man to be looking forward to finally living a normal life. Can you imagine him saying, "I can see." I no longer need to be led by the hand, no longer a burden to others. Life is great. But the reality for the blind man was that it was totally opposite from his expectations. His neighbors they refused to acknowledge him, and his the religious leaders, the Pharisees they confronted him and questioned him. But even worse. When he sees, he he runs home and he bangs on the door to see his mom and his dad, saying, "Dad, mom, I can see." When the door opens, his parents they are not happy to see him, because the Pharisees they have gotten there first. They are fearful of the Pharisees, and so they don't defend him, and they give him up to the Pharisees. So imagine the pain. The rejection that the blind man feels, the expectations he had, but the reality. Well, he doesn't cave into the pressure. He sticks with Jesus, the one who gave him sight. But at the end of John chapter nine, he is cast out. He is a social pariah. He is sight, but in reality, he has become the scum of society. All that he wanted was to be normal, to be restored. But what did he receive? Abuse, rejection, and isolation. Though he stuck with Jesus, where was Jesus in the midst of hostility? He was absent. Did he really care? Well, the answer in our passage in John chapter ten is yes. Jesus cares. More than cares, in fact, he is the good shepherd. Despite the contrary, despite what it seems on the surface, he has our best interest at heart. 
Or John chapter 9 ends, as Jesus reappears on the scenes, the blind man, he recognizes him and worships Jesus. And the Pharisees who are just nearby, uh, they scoff at Jesus and the blind man. But the thing to notice is that chapter 10, it continues the conversation that Jesus is having with the Pharisees. Look to verse 41. Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now you say we see your guilt remains. And so it continues in verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you. And so the point to, to realize is that this is the scene that we Jesus is speaking into. You have the blind man on his right, kneeling down and worshipping him. And then you have the Pharisees on his left, scoffing him. And his words in chapter 10, they cut right in into that situation, providing the commentary of what has happened before, what we have just witnessed in chapter 9. And what we have seen in chapter 9 is there that the sheep listens to the voice of his shepherd. If you're following hand out, that's our first point. The sheep listens to the voice of his shepherd. Look down to verse 1 of chapter 10. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of the strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Well, I wonder how many of you have been watching Clapson's Farm on Amazon Prime. Uh, apparently, it's getting quite popular these days. Uh, Clapson's Farm is about Jeremy Clarkson trying to be a farmer. Well, if you don't know who Jeremy Clarkson is, um, all you need to know he is that he is a petrol head and a bit of a buffoon. But Clapson's Farm is pretty darn hilarious. Uh, Jeremy Clarkson is obviously pretty hopeless when it comes to managing a farm and it's hilarious when he tries to raise some sheep uh, in episode 2 it's utterly utterly hopeless you, know, you see him chasing after sheep but they run away from him they jump over the hedge uh, they crash into the damaged walls and they're just running away from him it's utterly utterly hopeless and so he gives up he, he calls a shepherd and like magic when the shepherd comes they all listen to the shepherd the sheep they follow her Jeremy Clarkson is totally inept, and the shepherd is mightily impressive. And so that's a similar picture of what we're having here. There's a real distinction between the shepherd and those who are not. A distinction between how the sheep responds. They follow the shepherd and not the stranger. Verse 3. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Verse 5, a stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of the shepherd. And here's what's really interesting, because what Jesus is saying here plucks back into the context of chapter 9. Now, this parable describes what has been happening in chapter 9, that the more the Pharisees question the blind man, the more they abuse him, well, the more the blind man he sees through their evil schemes, 
the more he sees Jesus for who he is. So on the surface, what it looks like, it looks like persecution, rejection, and a casting out. But underneath, it is a listening, a following, the shepherd hearing the voice, the sheep hearing the voice of his shepherd. Well, not everyone understands what Jesus is saying, so he elaborates. It's on the second point. I am the door. I am the door. Look down to verse 7. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Well, I, I wonder whether when you saw the word door, you thought it was quite a funny metaphor. But here is a great insight into doors. Uh, two profound insights. Uh, firstly, doors, they, they close and also they, they open. And the point to see is that Jesus, he does both. Um, he is the door of the sheep. Verse 7, he guards them. He closes on those who are bad. He filters them out. He identifies who are the thieves and robbers. Verse 7, all, anyone who came before me are thieves and robbers. But not only does he stop people from coming in, he opens the way. He is the door for the sheep. Verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be safe and will go in and out to find pasture. Verse 10, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Now, Jesus is the door that stops those who are meant to come in, but he opens the door to life abundant. But notice the contrast to the rest. Look to verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And here is something very sinister. These thieves and robbers, they are not like Jeremy Clarkson. You see in the show, he is inept for sure, but he is the owner. I mean, he isn't evil. Here, the thieves and robbers, they are much more insidious. They masquerade as shepherds, but they are there to steal kill and destroy. And so the point that Jesus is saying, that any other leader than Jesus, well, they won't offer life. Certainly not these Pharisees who were abusing the sheep, the people of Israel. They took the flock for their own benefit, took advantage of them, killed them, and destroyed them. They stole the sheep away to line their own dinner plates. But not only the Pharisees of Jesus' day. Yes, it's true that not every single leader is like a robber, but many are. Politicians, corporate leaders, even religious leaders today, who use and manipulate people for their own benefit. Countless examples of abuses of power and sexual abuse. I think about it. Just this morning, in the offices of London, how many abuses of power 
there will be thieves and robbers. Some of you would know a lady who joined us at Common Garden Talks last year, uh, who has since left. But prior to joining us, she was part of a cult, a Christian cult, before leaving them. And she shared with a few of us that they manipulated her to give a lot of her money to them. You see, they were thieves and robbers. And so when it seems that Jesus doesn't care, remember, remember what is on offer. On the surface, it seems that if you ignore Jesus, you are offered a place in society, an easier life in this world, as long as you reject him. But the truth is, the outcome is being used, being stolen from, and ultimately death. How about following Jesus? On the surface, it seems like persecution, a harder life, loss of friends and sometimes even family. But underneath, the offer is life. Life abundant. I am the door, Jesus says. Look at verse 9. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Well, that's a huge comfort, but that is not all. Uh, he goes on to say even more. Thirdly, Jesus he says, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. Look down to verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep, sees a wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Notice the interesting contrast with the hired hand. See, the hired hand, they are not necessarily bad. They're not like the robber or the thief. They're hired. They earn a wage. But they just... Don't care. So imagine picture, the hired hand. He has a staff in hand. He's with the sheep. But in the distance, he sees the wolves coming, snarling and growling at him. And he has a choice. My life or the sheep? And for him, it's an easy choice. The staff drops. He leaves and runs away. But not Jesus. Verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He is good. He's the good shepherd because he lays down his life for the sheep. So Israel's leaders, they didn't die for the people. Peter, he didn't die for the disciples. Muhammad didn't die for Muslims. Buddha didn't die for Buddhists. Boris is definitely isn't going to die for anyone. Jamie Dimon, as confident as he is on the longevity of J.P. Morgan, will not lay down his life for any employee. But Jesus, he is different. I am the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd lays down his life 
for the sheep. Here is the great shepherd, the king, the good shepherd who lays his life down. And so that it's true that the hired hand, as with every other leader, is not every one of them is evil. You may have a really good boss at work, or perhaps you may be a really good boss as well. But at the end of the day, we are all realistic. No boss would risk his or own or her own career for your sake, let alone his or her own life. You see, even the best leaders are hired hands. They are there to earn a wage. But only Jesus will lay his life down for you. And so this helps, I think, even when life is hard, even when it seems that he doesn't care, he is still objectively good. Because the historical death and resurrection of Jesus on the cross is more than just a historical event. It's an objectively proves his character, that he is good. Not just a historical event, but objectively proves his character. So remember the cross. He is good. But more than that, Jesus, he doesn't stop. Like a pneumatic press, he wants to press in even more how good he is. He's good. So good because he knows you intimately. Look at verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Well, did you hear what Jesus just said? I mean, we should have been completely blown away by those words. Listen again to verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Do you notice the word just? He knows this with the same intimacy that the Eternal Father knows the Eternal Son. The Son, the one who is at the Father's side, that intimate knowledge, that is how He knows you, intimately. He knows your joys and your sorrows, your likes and your dislikes, all of your past, your deep mess inside. He knows you far more than you know yourself. And these know, this knowing goes beyond informational knowledge. It's a relational knowledge. Despite all that He knows about you, He wants to know you. He wants to share that relationship He has with His Father, with you. And he does that, verse 15b, by laying his life down for you. And so as he hangs on the cross, he does it for you. He doesn't die for someone who he thinks is good or deserving, but for you, your sin, your fears and failures, your concerns and doubts, to share the relationship with his Father with you. Willingly, lovingly, in a perfect unity with his Father. Verse 17, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. 
That is why he is good. He knows you. He lays his life down for you willingly. And he does it all for you. Well, just on the weekend, I was with the church family, on church weekend away, and there was an elderly man sharing his own testimony on why he became a Christian. And he shared he grew up in a Christian family, and he never really believed in Jesus himself. But then he shared the turning point for him, and at that moment, his voice cracked, and he said, the thought that the God of the universe would become man and lay his life down for me. The God of the universe would become man and lay his life down for me. Well, if you haven't decided that deep down you want to follow Jesus, if you feel that you need a personal encounter, here is your personal encounter. Jesus, God, became man, the good shepherd, laid his life down for you. Here is your personal encounter, him laying his life down for you. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And so when it seems that Jesus doesn't care, when it seems that he doesn't have your best interest at heart, when life in this world feels hard, remember how unpleasant all the other alternatives are. The thieves and robbers who steal, the hired hands who do not care, death and destruction awaits. And remember, remember how good Jesus is. He offers life abundant. He lays his life down for you and he loves you intimately verse 3 as we close to him the gatekeeper opens the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out let us pray father we praise you for jesus we praise you that he is the good shepherd and we praise you that he is good because he lays down his life for us. Give you thanks for him. In Jesus' name. Amen.